Are aliens real? Probably. <laughs> Hello. My name is Kate, and this is She Blinded Me With Science. Last week, Bill Nye, the science guy, was here in Austin, and I got to go see him. Let me just adjust this mic real quick. There we go. That's better. So the show was at the Long Center, and it was part autobiography, part lecture on climate change, part PowerPoint presentation, part, look, I'm still cool, guys. There was a Q&A session at the end of the show, and I did get to participate in that as well. And although I am alone in the studio booth today, I feel the presence of Bill Nye with me. And so I've chopped up some audio from the Q&A session so we can relive the experience together, guided by Bill Nye vibes. It has been years. Uh, I don't remember the last time I watched a Bill Nye the Science Guy episode all the way through. It must have been when there was a substitute in science class in high school, maybe even middle school. But the idea of Bill Nye has stuck with me, and I think that's true for a lot of people who grew up with him the way that I did. And uh, not to talk about you in the third person, Bill Nye the Science Guy, but your character is so excited uh, and so excitable about whatever the episode is talking about. And that excitement was really infectious and it pulled kids like me in and made us think that science rules. So the first question that I want to ask is how you designed the show to make scientific concepts accessible and interesting to kids. So, making abstract concepts accessible is my business, my thing. And so what we did, we had very good uh, research back in the 1990s that 10 years old is about as old as you can be to get the so-called lifelong passion for science. And I, it wasn't my idea, this was research by science educators and professionals. And uh, if it's not 10, it's 12. It's not 19 or something. So we aimed the show at people in fourth grade. Because that's, and that fourth grade turns out to be pretty good for everyone. Uh, and then we divided science into three big categories. Life science, uh, physical science, and, and planetary science. So life science is biology and the human body. People of all ages are fascinated. And then physical science was physics and chemistry, and planetary science was astronomy and the study of planets. So in the question of dinosaurs, are dinosaurs earth science or life science? Well, to me, they're life science. So we, you know, we have to make those decisions since you asked. But what is it, sir, peoples, what is it about your favorite teacher, your favorite professor that made them your favorite? It was their passion. The teacher was into it. The teacher thought it was cool. Yep. And so uh, whenever I'm on camera, I try to get, as Carl Sagan like, and other people have said, when you're in love, you want to tell the world. <laughs> and so I love science. I love the process. I love the so-called joy of discovery. And the other, that's the J-O-D. And the other thing that I love is the PBJ. Mm -hmm. The 
passion, beauty, and joy. Yeah. Science. Yeah. So be passionate. Be passionate. So as important as learning how things work and learning scientific concepts, as an adult, I'm also learning that it's just as important, if not more important, to think about how to think about how to think about information and how to separate science from pseudoscience. So could you speak to that? And also, what do you think about aliens? Scientific disinformation sucks. <laughs> so that's why I say all the time, we can just get people to question this, this, this thing that's happening now, where people just go down these crazy so-called rabbit holes, it's just a huge problem. So thank you all for coming, because I'm trying to promote science literacy. Uh, and I want you to think about this. If we could teach one thing, if we could teach one thing to people, it would be what's nowadays called critical thinking. <laughs> no, I'm not when I was growing up, it was called logic or reasoning or something. But the critical thing is to find prints. What it means, where do you go? I'm going to you. What it means is the habit, the regular practice of, of evaluating evidence. When somebody tells you there are aliens that come to Earth and put probes up people's noses and leave and nobody sees them, just ask yourself if you think that's really true. And now, when I was you know, growing up, when I was working, I had security clearance for I worked on a fighter plane for a while. Uh, people were all worried about UFOs, unidentified flying objects. Well, now we've changed that to unidentified aerial phenomena, UAPs. And let's tell you, there's a lot of flying objects that they don't tell you what they are. I mean, we now have 18 security agencies. We have National Security Agency, CIA, Army has satellites, Navy has satellites. The other day, you may recall, they found out that the Chinese government's been flying balloons over the U.S. for decades and nobody said anything. <laughs> so there may be aliens flying around, but they probably have not come here. And when you learn more about how far stars are apart, you'll realize how very, very unlikely it is. Not impossible, how very unlikely. Furthermore, you will probably be alive when somebody finds evidence of life on another world. On Mars, maybe fossil pond scum, <laughs> and uh, Europa has more ocean water, Europa's a moon of Jupiter, more ocean water than Earth. Enceladus is the center. There's places that have liquid, and people think if you have liquid, then you can have life. Furthermore, people think if Mars had life at one time, why wouldn't it still be there under the soil in the salty slush, marshy microbes doing their Mars probing thing? And if we found that, it would just be amazing. Furthermore, one more thing. Mars is smaller than Earth, it cooled off about a billion, a billion with a B years before the Earth, got an atmosphere and an ocean before Earth. Did life start on Mars? And then Mars was hit with an impactor, you know, a rock, and stuff got thrown into space, and boom, 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 
flags up some space. <laughs> and you and I are descendants of Martians. Whoa! And so that's worth investigating. Dude, if life was seeded on Earth by a Martian asteroid, or rather an asteroid that hit Mars and then hit Earth, or hit Mars and then caused some Martian soil to hit Earth, where did those elements that make up life come from? But he got a Nobel Prize for discovering what's called the carbon-nitrogen-oxygen cycle in SARS, which is where we get all the particles bigger than the helium, all the atoms bigger than the helium, and you and me, and it's really extraordinary. So we, this is Carl Sagan, like I said, we are made of star stuff. We are made of this material of stars. It's just a thing. So therefore, we are one way the universe knows itself. Like, dude, dude, that's right, dude. That's right, dude. Uh, you really like using the word dude, and I appreciate that. We need to bring back dude more. But coming back to Earth, uh, we as a society need to know what is your favorite dinosaur? And also, personally, I'd like to know, how does time on the geologic scale make you feel insignificant? My favorite dinosaur. Yes. Uh, okay. Um, might be the Baltimore Oriole. <laughs> I, I, I grew up in Washington, and with the, there used to be a team, the Senators, Washington, and we hated the Orioles, but uh, the baseball team. But the bird is pretty great looking, and I mentioned this because it's been discovered and reasoned and agreed that birds, modern birds, are descended from dinosaurs. But you want me to say Giganosaurus, you want me to say Tronosaurus. I was always sympathetic to the Stegosaurus. Everybody keep in mind, you know, we all love Stegosaurus. Or Pachycephalosaurus. Head-butting dinosaur. But there's more time, there's more time between a stegosaurus and the uh, catastrophic asteroid impact 66 million years ago, and us. There's more time between stegosaurus and 66 million years ago than 66 million years ago and now. <laughs> we are here for a flicker of a flick. Uh, let's, all right, let's get back to science communication. So what's uh, one of the biggest issues that you see in our current education system? What we have done in the U.S. largely by accident is we have linked school systems to property taxes. And this seemed like a good idea if everybody's making a pretty good living. But then if you have at-risk or poor people living in lower-income areas and their property taxes are lower and then their schools are lower and they get out of a cycle of <clears throat> So what we have to do, everybody, is adjust it. Not this weekend, but over the next 10 years. So go ahead and get that done, too. All right, I've got one more question for you, Bill, and thank you for lending your voice to me today. Please do not send me 
a cease and desist. This is fair use. And I want to be a science communicator just like you, Bill. Uh, But on the subject of science education, how can science education make the world a better place? So, the whole, you know, the conflict all over the world is largely about fairness, about treating people fairly. And so, uh, apparently, uh, tribalism, you know, people from our family, our tribe, that is deep within us. It's uh, staying with our tribe, our family. And, but we've come to find out the last few decades that we are all the same species, you know. Darwin and Wallace postulated that all living things came from a common ancestor. And they postulated that just based on looking at animals and plants around the world. But they didn't even know there was DNA, let alone what DNA is. And so we've come to realize that everybody is the same. We are more alike than we are different. And so this, I hope, with science education, we can get us all to treat each other fairly. And then there'll be less conflict, and things will be less inefficient. And not everybody, but a lot of people, including girls and women, will be happy. Words from Bill Nye on how to make the world a better place, how to achieve world peace, and make the quality of life for girls and women better and thereby increase the quality of life for everybody. So that was my uh, pseudo interview with Bill Nye. And that sound means that it's time to go present at a conference. So we'll be back soon. They say our solar system is centered round the sun. Nine planets large and small parading It's a lot of fun. It's a hot spot. It's a gas. Hydrogen and helium in a big bright glowing mass. It's a star. It's a star. So Janet got an autograph. Mercury was near the sun, so Janet stopped by. But the mercury on mercury was much too high. So Janet split for Venus, but on Venus she found she couldn't see. Exciting, kinda green and inviting So Janet thought she'd give it a go But the creatures on that planet Looked so very weird to Janet She didn't even dare to say hello It's a bird It's a plane Why it must be a UFO But it was interplanet Janet, she's a galaxy girl The solar system is from a future world She travels like a rocket with a comet team And there's never been a planet Janet no, there's never been a planet Janet hasn't seen. Mars is red and Jupiter's big and Saturn shows off its rings. Uranus is built on a funny tilt and Neptune is its twin. And Pluto 
Pluto's planetary status. We love you, Pluto. Today's science quote was by science guy, comma, Bill Nye. Share your science lab quotes with me to be featured at the top of the show. And you can join the ranks of such names as Bill Nye and me, Kate, your host. While I was presenting at a conference, you heard Interplanet Janet, by Schoolhouse Rock. And thank you to Bill for coming to Austin and answering some questions. There were some weird ones that I did not play today, but there were some good ones too. If you have questions, comments, confusion, connect with me via email at sciencekvrx at utexas.edu or drop me a message on Instagram at sciencekvrx. Audio Assets were produced by Indigo Starbeam. You can find him wherever you stream music. Thank you for listening, and remember... Inertia is a property of matter. sing a song for you, I would sing a song for you. If I could write a poem for you, I would write a poem for you. But my thing is words, words, words. And the danger is you might listen to them. In fact, you are listening to KVRX Austin, 91.7 FM, HD1 and HD2. And these words are spewed out by... Nodwar, the human serviette. Do do loo do.